Welcome to the virtual version of Loudoun County's nonprofit grants kickoff and overview for fiscal year 2021. I'm Shalom Black, and I'm the grants program manager for Loudoun County. Today, we're going to be taking a look at um, the background of the grant application, uh, the application itself, and then taking a deeper dive into um, some of the topics that we think are of most interest and value to grant applicants. So the purpose of the grant program is to strengthen the county's coordination with our nonprofit partners and also to ensure that local funds are leveraged in the most effective manner for services that assist vulnerable and disadvantaged individuals and families in meeting a critical need for safety, health, security, and independence. This is one of my favorite quotes when I'm feeling a little cynical about the work that I do in grant writing. Uh, grant writing is like throwing a ping pong ball to win a goldfish at the county fair, but each ball costs you a month of your life. So um, we're hoping that this grant process does not cost you a month of your life, um, and we hope that you will maybe rethink the way that you look at grant writing. One of the things that people say that's become somewhat of a pet peeve for me is, well, grants are free money. Um, if you've ever written a grant or managed a grant and done reporting for a grant, you know that that's not the case. Um, there is a lot of time and effort and sometimes even uh, cash match involved in any grant that you apply for. So why apply for grants? For funders, a grant award is an investment in positive change. It's a tool they use for having an impact on issues they care about. Nonprofits must consider grants from a mission-focused perspective. Since the point of a grant award is impact rather than money, the real point of a grant proposal is to rally the necessary resources to help the nonprofit fulfill its purpose, to address important issues within their communities. A grant proposal is actually a call to action. It's a request that a funder join the nonprofit as a partner in achieving specific results. At its best, a grant proposal is a cogent, persuasive, well-supported argument for change. And this comes from the executive director of the Grantsmanship Center. This is how the county likes to think about our grant funding process. Um, and we hope that you will think about the call to change that you are um, making in this proposal to the county and what it is that you want the county to join you in doing. So some of you have applied in the past um, and as with every year, uh, we make some tweaks and some changes based on the feedback that we've received from the fiscal year 2020 applicants from reviewers and from our county staff and board members. One of the big changes this year is that um, we will not be adding bonus points onto the final scores. Um, previous years, we did have bonus points for some of the priorities um, for the county. Um, this year, some of those priorities, things like partnerships, past performance and evidence-based programming are considered benchmarks for excellence within the scoring criteria themselves. 
we also will include word limit suggestions with each question. These are not requirements. Um, if you have ever heard me speak before, you know that's another one of my pet peeves. Um, but we do want to give you a sense of the maximum amount of information that we expect. Uh, we want to try to make this process easier for our reviewers so that they're not wading through an enormous amount of information and tr try to make it a little easier on you as well um, so that you have a sense of whether we expect this to be a really in-depth uh, answer or whether it's something that you can answer in just a few short lines. The uh, application evaluation requirements will be shared in the application materials. Um, that will be in the uh, grant manual, which is on our website, and I will go through that later, but you'll see exactly what criteria we're using to score each of the grants. The other thing that's new is that the evaluation plan will include required outcomes, um, and each applicant will choose targets and objectives based on the services for which you're requesting funds. Uh, a few additional changes. Um, this year, instead of phone or email inquiries, we're going to be answering any questions via web portal. And this is really to make sure that we're providing equitable assistance to all of our applicants um, and that anything that we are sharing with one organization, every other organization is able to see. Um, as in previous years, no organization can request more than 30% of your current operating revenue. And finally, uh, individual awards will be limited to no more than $113,000. Um, that is calculated, it's 10% of the FY2020 budget plus an additional 3%. Uh, basically, we need to have some way of ensuring that the county retains its capacity to make multiple awards across all of the areas of need. Some of the things that will be remaining consistent are those areas of need, which I mentioned before. Uh, those are prevention, self-sufficiency, crisis intervention, diversion, long-term support, and improved quality of human services. Um, we also are still requiring that you be a 501c3 nonprofit certified by the IRS when you apply. Um, your mission needs to be consistent with the county's overall mission. You must be receiving funding from other sources. Uh, you must be in good standing with the state corporation commission. And uh, the additional criteria are in the grant manual and you may refer to those. This is a copy of the uh, screenshot for the SCC e-file. Um, you can go ahead and order a certificate of good standing. It costs a couple of dollars. Um, or if it's easier and you don't want to pay the money, you can do a screenshot that says you may order a certificate of good standing for the following corporation, and it's going to include your name and ID and everything um, if you don't want to um, have to pay that $6 charge.
So there are two different funding types that the county provides through this process. The first is the mini grant. This is a simplified application. Uh, funding limits are $5,000 and there are fewer questions and there's a much greater emphasis on program elements as opposed to your organizational uh, financials or uh, management, things like that. It's really a great opportunity for new or small organizations to kind of get their feet wet with a grant. Now, the other grant uh, is the competitive grant or the full grant. Um, there are more questions and they're more in depth. There is more accountability um, in terms of the reporting that we require from you. And um, really we're looking more at the financials of the organization, the board and the management. Um, so this is really something that's intended for an organization that's been around for a while and has a lot of stability and has received grant funding in the past. So who should apply for mini grants? Um, as I said, if you're a small or new organization, um, or if you're a larger or well-established organization that has just a small program, maybe you are a large organization, but you really have an idea for a, a new program that is only going to cost um, $4,000. This would be a great opportunity for you to very quickly um, and simply write up an application and submit it for that program. Um, organizations that are lacking the capacity to complete a full grant application. Um, I joked about grant writing taking a month of your life. Um, well, grants are a lot of work and they're very intense. So um, for organizations that do not have the staff capacity or the ability to hire a grant writer, um, this smaller grant may be a better option. The other um, thing that we encourage um, is that if you're new to grants and you really have not had a lot of experience and you want to gain experience and have a sort of proven track record, the mini grant opportunity is an excellent way of doing that. So both of the funding types use the same application. Um, we only accept one application per organization. Um, so you can't apply for both a mini grant and a competitive grant. And the online application for both is due December 20th at 12 noon. Do not wait till 11.59 a.m. Last year we had um, some issues with our system and there was a backlog and it uh, scared everybody, I think. So uh, we really wanna make sure that that does not happen again this year please try to submit them the day before if possible or several hours before so that you will be sure that it goes through and that you get the confirmation email and all of that good stuff. If you have any questions during the process, those questions can be submitted to nonprofits at loudon.gov. Um, any questions that you submit will be answered publicly on our web page and you'll be able to see that 
You can actually sign up for email notifications when a new question is submitted and answered. Um, and this is how we are trying to make sure that everybody gets um, sort of a fair shake at assistance from our county staff. So the other thing that uh, you will need to know is that after your application is submitted, it'll be reviewed by a team of county staff, and then the awards will be recommended to the Board of Supervisors at their second April meeting. The date of that is to be determined um, since we have a new board. Um, we aren't totally sure what the calendar for board meetings will be for 2020. So we're gonna take a look at the application form itself. Um, I wanted to give you an overview before we got started of the different sections of the application. And these are all the areas then that we will be um, applying scoring criteria as well. So organizational information, um, your background services and partnerships, the demonstration of need and impact, outcomes, funding requests, your organizational financial information, uh, the organization's management and administration, and then the required documentation. So we're gonna take a look at the application form. Give me just a second, I'll get that pulled up onto the screen. It takes a little while when you're doing it via webinar, I've learned. But ideally, when you click on it, it's going to go directly to the page. All right, internet magic. Here is the landing page. If you click on that link, it's pretty easy. Um, Loudon.gov nonprofit grants. It's a little bit of information and um, you will see the application due date listed here. Um, this is where we're going to access the application. Um, this link takes you to the uh, grant application process manual. You just click on that and it comes up as a PDF. If you have questions about the nonprofit grant funding, process, please send an email. This links you to the nonprofits at loudon.gov email. And then you may see all of the updates on this page. You can see right now there's a Q&A post on there that gives you a little bit more information about um, how this all works. So we're going to go back here, um, some information about the nonprofit mini grants, um, information about the development workshops. And then down here, I want to draw your attention to uh, a Grants 101 webinar that I recorded a couple of years ago. And this is for anybody that's new to grant writing. Um, it's very basic information about grant writing. Um, an outcomes and evaluation webinar that was recorded last year. Um, again, um, takes you through some of the basics around program evaluation and logic modeling. 
And then these are slides on strategic planning. They were part of my presentation last year, um, and we cut them out this year uh, for time. But there's some good information on there if strategic planning is something that you're looking at doing but haven't really taken that step yet. <clears throat> so we're going to go back up here to the application itself. It opens in what we call Laserfiche Forms. And um, for those of you that have applied in the past, this is the same form and the same uh, process we've used previously. However, there's one little difference. Um, we've, we're trying to make it a little bit more uh, user friendly. So we have each of the different sections on a different tab and you can tab between them by clicking on them or you can hit the next button and the next button and do them sequentially. But this gives you the opportunity to navigate a little bit better through the um, actual application itself. <clears throat> so we're going to ask you for some basic information about your organization. Um, if you have a legal name or a DBA that's different from your organization name that you're sort of known by, um, please list it in here. We also want your primary organization address. Um, so if you, this is where your headquarters are. If you have a Loudoun office address, um, please list that if it's different from your primary organization address. Your federal tax ID, your authorizing official contact information, this would be your executive director, maybe your board chair, something like that. If you have a contact person for the application, so that's maybe your development director or grant writer or something like that, you can list their name in this section, the application contact person. We also would like to know if you attended one of the grant training sessions, and if so, please list it in here. You want to know the year of founding, the year that how many years you've been serving, serving Loudoun residents. Um, also, the new this year is a one sentence overview of your request, and that needs to include the population or populations that you plan to serve. This is something that we will use um, when we write up the summary of your request for our reviewers and for the board members when that goes to the board meeting. All right, now for the most important part of the application. This question right here, applying for a mini grant of $5,000 or less. If you say yes, it's going to greatly reduce the number of questions that are on the application. If you say no, you will see all of the questions on the application. So make sure that you know what you are applying for before you start the application. Um, I'll give you a little sample of the difference. This is the mini grant section on background services and partnerships. Three questions. Let's go back and check. No. Yeah, so seven questions. Um, so that's important to do pretty much right away as soon as you start. If you're a first time applicant, 
um, please check yes on this. Um, and the other thing we're asking this year is about the size of your organization's operating budget, whether it's greater than or less than uh, $500,000. Um, that should be based on your total operating expenses for the most recently completed fiscal year. The reason we're asking this is that we plan on having um, review teams uh, look at smaller organizations altogether and then larger organizations um, as part of another group. This is the other very important thing to take notice of. Save as draft. Um, you're going to want to save early and save often. When you click on this button, it's going to bring up well, it's going to bring up something different for you than it does for me, but basically it's going to bring up a window that asks you to create a username and or an email and a password. And then it's going to verify that with your email. And that will be how you access your saved application draft. Please do not start an application and keep it open in your browser for days or even hours at a time, and then expect that information to be in there when you go back to it. Always hit save um, when you're working. And just, we've had so many people have issues with this in the past. Um, so we wanna make sure that you don't lose your work and um, get frustrated. There's nothing I can do on my end to um, go back and retrieve that information. Oh, sorry about that. Next up, background services and partnerships. In this section, you're going to choose at least one area of need which most closely aligns with the service that you're requesting funding for. If it's applicable and you want to select more than one, you may do so. However, we do not score based on the number of areas you select. You are not going to score any better if you select all four than if you select just one. And in fact, if it looks like you're trying to make too much of a stress to stretch to hit all four of them, um, you might even lose some points on this question um, 1B. This is the question where you are to um, describe what the proposed funding will be used for and how it relates to the areas of need that you've chosen. Um, so make sure that you choose wisely. We also ask your organization's major accomplishments and milestones since it was established. We do not want any more than 10, so again, choose wisely. Um, if your organization or program was accredited, please give us the accrediting agency and time frame for your accreditation. Describe your organization, um, give us the populations that you serve, the services, um, for which the requested funds will be used um, aligned to the area of need. The administration and operation of these services and then an implementation timeline for services to be funded. You can see that we give you um, more room on this because we know for some people that this will be a lot longer um, than some of the other questions. Please tell us about any program characteristics or specializations that set your services apart from similar providers in Loudoun County. That's a new question this year. 
Uh, we'd also like to know why the service approach was chosen and um, if you use any evidence-based programs, please indicate which federal website lists the program and the rating that's been given. Um, so this is something it's not required, but we're just trying to get a sense of who uses evidence-based programs within the county and which ones are being used. Describe any current or planned cooperative agreements, um, memorandums of understanding, memorandums of agreement, or contracts with other agencies to coordinate services with Loudoun County government or other local organizations that support the service provisions that are outlined in your application. Um, we are asking if you do have an MOU or MOA or something formalized that you just upload a copy of the front page um, for us to reveal. And you can upload that right here, upload MOU, MOA if applicable. We'd also like you to describe any current or planned partnerships or collaborations with Loudoun County or with any other local organizations that support your service provision um, and talk about how long these partnerships have been in place. So this is the less formal, um, not in the MOU or MOA. Uh, these are, are the partnerships that you have or um, projects or networks that you might be part of. And we give a little explanation underneath some of these questions if you have questions about you know what we mean by partnership or collaboration or things like that so you can refer to these um, tiny little print under the uh, questions for some additional explanation so in the de demonstration of need and impact we're going to ask you to describe the scope of the need for your services um, that's going to include data um, that describes needs specific to your field of service, uh, demographic information um, such as race, uh, age, ethnicity, gender, etc. And we want to see that data for the Loudoun residents that you served in 2018 and 2019. Make sure that you cite the sources for your data. So what do we mean by data sources? Um, our preference is really for any local, state, or federal um, statistics. Those are .gov websites. Um, those are usually ones that have been collected in a way that um, we know is you know, verifiable. Um, the census. Uh, .gov is a great way to get some um, accurate data. In addition, we have some other local um, statistics on healthyloudon.org. That's a great one to go to for all kinds of health-related um, and quality of life statistics. County Health Rankings is another source that we use. Kidscount.org um, is great if you're working with youth or children. Um, the other thing that you can do is if a local needs assessment has um, been conducted in your field, you may use that and cite information from that. Number nine, if this is not a new program, provide evaluation results showing the impact of the program in 2017 and 2018. If it's a new program and you're planning to collect new measures or if 
um, this is something you're changing, um, give us a copy of your um, plan for evaluation. You can upload that here. Number 10, we're asking you for the number of unduplicated Loudoun County residents served by the organization in FY18, FY19, your projection for FY20, and the estimate for FY21. Unduplicated means that a client served by the organization who is counted only once, no matter how many direct services that client receives during a fiscal year. We also are asking you to provide the number of unduplicated Loudoun residents served specifically within the area of service that you are requesting to be funded for, um, for those four years as well. So um, this might be your organization might serve a thousand people, but you're looking for funding for just one of your five services. So you would put in the number 100 here um, to show that that's the proportion of the um, Loudoun residents being served by this particular area of service. In 10B, we ask you to explain the numbers that were reported in the 10A chart. Uh, we wanna know how you track the overall number of participants served by your program as well as the number of participants living in Loudoun County who are served by your program. We also would like to know if you're able to track unduplicated numbers of participants <clears throat> among all of your programs, and if so, how you know that information. In 11, please describe the duration, the number of visits, and the intensity, the minutes or hours per visit of your services provided to the population described in question three, which is on the previous page. Outcomes, this section has changed significantly and we're going to go into more depth with this later on in the um, webinar. Um, but I attempted this year to really put the questions into plain language. Um, Everybody, whether you are applying for the competitive grant or the mini grant, everybody needs to fill out service one outcomes section. Um, and if you're only applying for one service to be funded, we do ask that you would give us additional impacts or outcomes in this section. If you're applying for multiple services, choose um, two of them, the top two that you think are the strongest um, in terms of the outcomes you'll be providing. Um, and you can provide the outputs and outcomes in this section below. The first thing that we ask you is what service is being covered by the grant. We also want to know the area of need to be addressed by this service. You have a drop down here. You can select prevention, intervention, long-term support, or quality of human services. Going back to that um, part two information, this gives you a little more information on each of those. 
We'd like to know how many individuals, families, or organizations will be served by June 30th, 2021. So that's the number that you anticipate serving as a result of the grant funding between July 1, 2020 and June 30, 2021. We want to know how many tools or resources will be provided to individuals, families, or organizations by June 30th, 2021. This might be trainings, books, meals, um, and please be specific about the type of resource or tool that you would be providing through grant funds. If this is not applicable, applicable to your project, please say not applicable. How often will services be provided? Um, will they be weekly, monthly, twice a year? Um, how many contacts or service responses on average will you have with each individual family or organization? by June 30th, 2021. Um, so this tries to get at, are you having multiple contacts with um, each individual or family or are you really only seeing them once? We're just trying to get an idea of kind of the level of service that you are providing through the uh, grant funding. We'd also like to know the number or percentage of these contacts that you anticipate will result in a decreased need for services um, or a de-escalation of services. Um, this will not apply to everybody, um, so please answer it only if it's applicable. Typically, we think that more relevant for those applying for the intervention area of need. Um, so please consider that as you are thinking about the outputs for the um, area of need and the service that you're providing. <clears throat> this is where we're really talking about the outcomes of the funding and what impact it's going to have on the quality of life for individuals, families, and organizations. So we are asking you to list um, multiple impacts for the service that's being described. Um, we'd like you to talk about the impact. Um, we would like you to say something along the lines of 95% um, of the individuals served will be employed by the end of the grant period, something along those lines. We'll get into what we mean a little bit more specifically later in the webinar, um, but that's what we mean by impact, not just the number of people that you're serving, but how you are actually improving their lives. And finally, we're asking you about the data sources that you're going to use to help you determine if you made an impact. So, are you going to use surveys, enrollment forms, uh, case files, things like that? So that is the outcomes area. And again, we'll go into more depth later on in this webinar. For your funding request, if you receive, if you are a current grant recipient, if you received grant funding for this current year, please fill in that amount here. And in this area is where you fill out how much you were requesting from the county for 
the grant application, the current grant application, fiscal year 2021. <clears throat> um, new this year as well, um, we are asking you to do an itemized funding request. Um, this is only for the items that are to be funded in part or in whole by your county request. Um, so you would fill in the item name here, the amount you're requesting from the county, and then the total cost if that's different. So maybe you have a matching grant for that um, and you would fill in the total cost um, in this box. You can add additional lines by clicking add item. And then if you don't need them all, you can go back and click the X and that deletes them. The other great thing is that this does automatic calculations, so you don't have to worry if your numbers are correct. So that will all fill in itself as you type it out. <clears throat> I'll show you here that it will provide the addition for you as well. In 12A, you're going to refer to these line items that you've um, spelled out up here um, and provide a cost calculation and a narrative description for each of them. So you're going to talk about how those items that you've requested relate to the objectives that you've proposed for this service or for this grant. And then tell us why county funds are needed for these items. So if your request is $50,000, you could break it down to salaries are $25,000. And here's how we calculate the salary figure. It's $25 an hour times 20 hours a week times 50 weeks, and that's $25,000. Um, and then you would talk about why those salaries are related to your project. Um, we also want to know why is it that you are asking for county funds um, for these and not using um, other sources. Um, so what's the need for county funding? 12B is optional. Um, it's only for applicants who have been funded by the county within the past um, two or three years. If you're requesting an increase in funding this year, we would like you to provide us with an explanation of why you need an increase in your funding level. We have to be able to justify this to our board. Um, so tell us how you came up with those numbers. Um, will you be enhancing the level of services? Will you be serving more people? Will you be um, providing more in-depth services or increasing the amount of time you spend um, providing those services? Give us a justification, please, of the um, increase, if you are indeed requesting an increase in funding this year. 13, if you're fully funded, what percentage of your organization or local chapters, um, 2020 operating revenues, would these county funds comprise? And then show us how you calculated this percentage. 
This is not something we score. However, it's important for us to see that you did not request more than 30% of your total um, operating um, revenues for the current uh, funding year. Um, and so that's where we would like you to show your calculations. In 14, we'd like you to discuss how you plan to sustain the service if county funds don't continue beyond uh, the grant period. Um, are there other resources that you can use to support the service? Um, and if you have other funding requests that are pending, um, let us know which ones have been submitted, considered, and awarded. Um, other resources do not necessarily have to be uh, funding requests. Well, they might be, um, you know, that you're going to train um, a number of staff and you'll have um, or you'll have capital needs that are met by this grant and things like that that will help you to sustain the program. And then in 15, um, please list the top five contracts or grants that are currently held with government entities or foundations, along with the name and email of the funder's contract manager. So this could include, if you're a previous grantee under Human Service Nonprofit Grants, um, this could include um, those grants. It could include the county's CDBG grants um, and other things. So uh, we would like to basically know how you have done in managing grant funds before. And if for some reason you weren't fully successful in achieving your performance or financial goals, um, give us the reasons. Um, and we'll be contacting the contract managers um, for um, just a quick reference on um, your performance on those uh, contracts. In this section, we'd like you to tell us the fiscal year start date for your organization and then the end date. Um, the county operates on a uh, July 1 to June 30 fiscal year, um, but we wanna make sure that we understand your fiscal year and that we're, um, we're basically looking at your fiscal year um, when we're looking at all of the financial documents that you provide us. <clears throat> we want you to upload a lot of information in this section. Um, first of all, your completed IRS 990 form. We'd like to see the most recent there. Your most recent audited or reviewed financial statement, if that's applicable. We know that not everyone is large enough to do an audit or a review. Um, we are asking you to include any notes or findings with that application as well. The other thing we would like to see are your 2018 and 2019 financial statements. Um, so we want to see a year-to-date statement of your financial position, which is your balance sheet, and the statement of activities, which is your income and expense statement. If you do not have an audited or reviewed financial statement, um, these financial statements that you've generated need to be signed by your board chair or treasurer um, so that we, we can see that this is something that's board authorized. We're also asking you for your FY 2020 budget. Um, that's your current operating budget for the organization as a whole with your revenues and expenses itemized. If there's anything that you would like us to know about 
the financial information that you've attached. Um, you can use this box to describe that um, and give us a little bit more context. <clears throat> Under organization um, management and administration, um, we're asking you for your current number of paid full-time staff, your current number of paid part-time staff, um, total current number of volunteer staff. Um, what we mean is, is really your um, people that are regularly volunteering um, to be you know, part of your operations. Uh, the number of board members that you have and the number of times per year that the board meets. Um, we also are asking you to provide us some more information about your staff. Um, we'd like you to provide the name, position, management competency, and years of experience for each of your key staff members. Those are staff members that will be um, involved with the project. They don't necessarily need to be funded by the project, but they are managing the project or the service that you are applying for. Um, so management. Um, competencies are, um, there are six of them. There's a drop down menu. Uh, human relations, strategic planning, finance, um, legal, operations, and public relations. So you um, do not need to select one of these for each of your staff members, um, but if you have a staff member who is your go to in one of these areas, please select the appropriate one and tell us how many years of experience they've had in that competency area. Um, we also in this section, if you want to add the names of key volunteers, maybe you're a volunteer only organization and you don't have paid staff um, or a consultant who you work with closely on, for example, um, legal matters, you can list them in this section as well. Now for your board list, um, much the same in terms of information, um, we ask you to um, give their name, their position on the board, so chair, vice chair, or member, um, their profession and title, um, their most recent employer, the management competency, again, um, we have the six that we outlined above. Um, I've also added, are they a service recipient? Are they somebody who has actually been a client or consumer? Um, or the, are they a subject area expert that you have on your board to help you um, make decisions around the services you provide? <clears throat> we ask you to tell us if they do have one of these competencies, how many years experience have they had? Have they had zero to four? Or have they had five or more? The other thing that we're asking here is whether they're related to paid staff. Um, it is um, best practice for board members to not be related to paid staff. Um, however, we do know that for some family foundations, that is not um, that is not relevant. So um, make sure that you explain anything that might be kind of um, different here in the optional board information. <clears throat> the other thing we need to see in this section is your current strategic plan. You can upload that here. It needs 
to be for the current fiscal year, and it should list your organization's goals, strategies, resource requirements, and the time frame for accomplishing those objectives. Um, it also should show that it has been board approved for the time period that um, is represented. And finally, required documentation. Um, if you are unable to, to provide one of these documents, um, type up in a Word document why you cannot, and then let us know that you've ex um, you have attached an explanation in this explanation box. Um, we require a valid IRS 501c3 designation letter. It has to be active at the time of submission. It can't be pending. Um, that is a, an absolute disqualifier if you don't have that in place. We require a certificate of good standing with the Virginia SCC. Um, again, I showed you the website and um, the fact that you can do a screenshot of the web page um, if so desired. And then you're also able to attach additional attachments here if you would like to. You definitely don't have to. And in fact, our reviewers won't be opening additional attachments unless they are referenced and explained elsewhere in the document. Um, we're not going to read your entire annual report and look for information in it, but if it's something where you'd like us to see a chart or um, a report or something like that that um, was done by a university, um, you can attach that here, but make sure you reference it elsewhere in your narrative. <clears throat> and finally, um, this is your e-signature. Um, we ask you to put in the email address of your authorizing official, um, like I said, your board chair, your executive director, whoever, um, and you're basically certifying that the information you're submitting is true and accurate um, and that you also are um, aware that anything that's submitted is um, subject to the Freedom of Information Act, um, which we call FOIA. Um, and so it therefore may be subject to public release upon request. So after all that, and after you've saved it multiple, multiple times, you can hit the submit button. And you'll see if you left anything blank like I did, it's going to show up highlighted in pink and you won't be allowed to submit it until those areas are filled in. So that's uh, the basic overview of the um, application. And again, um, feel free to submit questions via our online forum. There are also some um, frequently asked questions in the back of our grant um, manual. So make sure you check that out. I have a, I have a pretty detailed um, screenshot of the um, different parts of the application and how to go through and do things. Um, so make sure you check out that manual that's on our website. <clears throat> Next up, the county reviews your application um, along with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So these are the point breakdowns for each of the sections that you saw back there. Um, there are 27 points possible for background services and partnerships. That's 21% of the total score. 
demonstration of need and impact is 21 points. The outcomes are worth 20 points. Your funding request is worth 18. Financial information is worth 21. And the organization management and administration is worth 21 as well. So you'll see that the most amount of points is really in that first section on background services and partnerships. Um, if you want to take a look at the specific scoring criteria for each question, those are listed in the manual. And you can take a look and see what it is that we expect from, a, um, from an answer for that question. The mini-grant application has a different set of point values. Um, we put uh, 12 points on the background services and partnerships, um, 12 on the demonstration of need and impact, uh, eight on outcomes, nine on the funding request, nine on financial information. And then again, because these are mini-grants, um, we do not score or ask any questions about organization management and administration. We score the applications themselves using the Commonwealth of Virginia's best value rating method. Um, that uses a scale of zero to three. So zero is considered deficient, three is considered excellent. In order to get a three, you have to um, demonstrate a completely solid fit with the objectives of the question. Um, the strengths have to greatly outweigh the weaknesses in any answer that you give. Um, two is acceptable. The response demonstrates inadequate fit with the objectives. One is unacceptable. And that means that you failed to demonstrate a reasonable fit with the objectives of the question. If you score a zero, then um, you basically have been deemed unresponsive to the question. In terms of funding, the review team will develop recommendations for funding based on your scores on the application. We do have a minimum score that um, we, we have set and um, we do not consider any of the applications below that minimum score for funding. Your final approved funding amount is based on the amount of available funding, the volume of requests, the application score, the reasonability of proposed budget items and costs for services, and then the ratio of your county funding to the organization's overall operating revenues. That's what I mentioned before. Um, <clears throat> county funding can be no more than 30% of your current operating revenues. So to get a little bit more specific, the board um, has designated a sliding award amount to be applied to full applications that are, meet the minimum score with a proportion of the requested amount to be awarded based on your application score. So um, really only one or two organizations each year get the full amount of their funding requests. For mini grants, organizations will be awarded the full amount that they request. Now, the awards will be announced publicly at the second um, Board of Supervisor, the Supervisors meeting in April. <clears throat> 
And then after that meeting, all applicants will be notified officially of their status. Funding begins on July 1st, 2020 and expires on June 30th, 2021. It's one year funding. The county has as its values um, partnerships. This is why we ask you about MOUs with other organizations, partnerships, collaborations. We also value high quality services that use evidence-based programs or best practices. We like to see strong data-driven outcomes that are um, backing up the programming that you are providing to our residents. And we also want to see strong past performance, whether it's with county funds or with funds from another grantor. And the reason we value these four things is because we are stewards of the county's funds. Um, we use those funds to support the best services with the greatest degree of impact from the strongest providers for our residents who have the most critical needs. So it's really crucial to us that um, we get the providers in place who are going to provide the services that are most needed to our residents. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about the evaluation of your outcomes and how to kind of come up with those measures. So why should you evaluate your programs? Well, it helps you to support your program and strategic planning. It can help you to communicate your story and tell others what you have done. And it can help you to track progress towards goals that you have as an organization. In addition, it can serve as a basis for ongoing learning to make your work stronger and more effective. So, you need to take a look at what you expect to result from the program. These are SMART objectives, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. If you've defined the problem well, the outcomes will follow logically. So if we do this, then this will happen. You also may wanna think about what outcomes your program prevents. So for example, are you preventing an incursion of costs for other services, um, and that might be short-term or long-term. If possible, calculate the savings um, that may be incurred by implementing your program. This is very difficult to see, but um, this is included in the program manual, and it's basically the logic model that we use to um, help us uh, figure out uh, what we want as the county to see resulting from your grants. So the area of need includes inputs. Um, and for each area of need, you can see that organization staff and resources, grant funds and matching funds are the inputs that you would be providing. And then the services that would be covered by grant funds are determined by you as the applicant. <clears throat> now we are requiring outputs from you for those services. Under prevention, you may wanna take a look at the number of individuals or families that are served under this area. 
the number of tools or resources provided to families by the type of resource, um, the number of contacts and service responses per individual or family. Under intervention, you may want to take a look at the number of individuals or families served in this area. Um, again, the contacts or service responses uh, per individual or family. And then again, with intervention, do you have any individuals or families who needed to be escalated to a higher service level? For long-term support, um, we again want to know how many individuals or families are served. The average number of families services provided to individuals or families, we know that in terms of long-term support, a lot of times you are working at a very close, um, intense level um, on a daily basis with um, some of these individuals who require higher supports. And the other thing we'd like to know is the frequency of the services that are used most often under this area. For improved quality of human services, um, we'd like to see the number of individuals or organizations that you serve and the frequency of quality enhancements um, given the type of enhancement. So uh, whether that's quality enhancement or accessibility enhancement or so forth. For the outcomes that we expect to see, um, for prevention, we expect to see an increase in the number of families accessing your service. Um, or a decrease in the number of families requiring additional supports or services. For intervention, we expect to see a reduction in higher level services that are required and an increase in the number of family reports of overcoming immediate burdens. For long-term support, we expect to see increase in the number of individuals or families remaining independent as a result of the service or an increase in the number of individuals or families remaining healthy as a result of this service. And under improved quality, we would expect to see an outcome of an increase in the quality, accessibility, accountability, or coordination of services across organizations. So this is an example of the chart that I um, showed you within the grant application. Um, I'll let you read it for yourself. It's also in the manual um, that is provided to you. Um, but thinks in terms of the services, be specific. Um, it's a class for this number of participants. Talk about what demographic those participants fall into and what's the purpose of that class. So in this example, the purpose is to prevent binge drinking. The area of need is prevention. Um, they plan to serve 200 teenagers and three high schools. So again, being very specific about who they are serving and where they're serving them. Um, tools or resources, in this case, it's one class on preventing binge drinking. It will be provided weekly. That's how often the service is provided. And then this is the time frame it will be provided in. Um, they expect that they will have 12 one-hour classes with each of the individuals that they're serving. Second part of that um, question is um, the number or percentage of contacts they anticipate will result in a decreased need for services. Um, and this 
In this one, they say, based on research, we anticipate 90% will not need additional services for binge drinking in the next year. Uh, the impacts that they've identified, first of all, 90% or 180 uh, participants will report new skills in avoiding peer pressure to drink. And 80% of participants, that's 160 total, will report that they did not engage in binge drinking during the past three months. So you can see it's one service. Um, you gave a number of outputs, but these are the actual ways in which you are impacting the lives of your participants. Um, and there are several different ways that you're doing that. In terms of data sources that they'll use um, for the first one, it is a survey of participants during their last class and a survey of participants three months after the last class that determined that they did not engage in binge drinking during the past three months. So that's just to kind of give you an idea of exactly what we're looking for when you are answering these questions. <clears throat> a little bit more about SMART outcomes. Um, we said they need to be specific, so that includes who, what, and where. We think it's important that you use only one action verb to avoid any type of issues with measuring your success. So you don't want to say we will prevent and intervene, but instead you would say we will prevent such and such and we will intervene with such and such. And that way you are measuring them two different ways. They should be measurable, uh, focusing on how much change is expected, aggressive but attainable. So they need to be realistic, um, given the resources you have and the planned implementation. Um, you might want to go back and look at previous performance or look at other research or things like that to determine where to set that goal at. They should also be results oriented. They should be directly related to your program goals and they need to be time bound. So limit them to the FY21 fiscal year since that's the term of the grant that you're getting. <clears throat> Here's an example. Um, this is an output. We will train 30 employees in CPR. That's really wonderful, but what if those 30 employees are texting the entire time that they are in training? So what is a better measure is an outcome. And that is 90% of employees receiving CPR training will show a gain in knowledge of life-saving techniques as indicated by pre and post tests. So hopefully you can see the difference between that. Uh, the scope of your outcomes need to be realistic um, and based on your program's current reach. So that might be a geographical reach. So for example, it could be all residents of Loudoun County or it could be specific to students attending Tuscarora High School. Um, you may have um, an age limitation on your program's reach. So maybe it's youth ages eight to 12 or children in grades K through six. There may be an income level or financial circumstance um, that you are targeting. So maybe you're targeting individuals who are low income or more specifically, maybe they are middle class with bad credit. You may also be looking at ethnicity or culture, such as predominantly Latino or recent immigrants. 
Um, or it might be other characteristics such as part-time workers or um, victims of abuse. In addition, as you are forming your outcome measures, think about the type of data you're going to collect to show that you're meeting your outcomes. These might be numbers, they might be percentages, it might be an increase, a percent increase, or a percent decrease, or it could be a cost savings if you're preventing something from happening. And then in terms of data sources, what type of instrument will you use to provide this data? Are you going to use surveys for maybe a broader audience? Will you use program evaluations for people that have been participants? Um, will you have a database where you're recording information? Will you take a look at participation records for people that have taken your class or been part of your program? Will you look at individual case files to determine if there was a change in somebody's um, circumstances? Will you do interviews with participants or the community? Or will you do focus groups? One of the questions that we get asked uh, quite a lot, because we do uh, allow for operational funding through this grant program, is how exactly do I write outcomes for my operational request? Um, so, for example, what kind of outcomes come from paying the rent or salaries? Um, so this is where we have you take a look at an if-then scenario. Let me give you an example. If we do not have rent money, then we will not have adequate space for our program, and we would be unable to increase the GPAs of 50 teens. So the outcome that you're going to be targeting is 50 teens will increase their GPAs through our after-school program. And for salary, if we are unable to pay staff a competitive salary, then we will not be able to retain high quality certified staff to lead our programs. Um, so the outcome for this could be five programs rated as high quality led by certified staff will be provided to community members. So hopefully that helps you to think a little bit more about those outcomes that you're creating um, and how they link back to your operating costs that you might be requesting. That's it for our webinar. Thank you for your attention. And if you have any questions, email them to us at nonprofits at loudon.gov. We'll get back with you uh, within about two days and have those answers posted online on the website. Thanks again.